This is the Negro League Podcast with Preach James. Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? This is the Negro League Podcast. I go by the name of Preach Jacobs. We're sponsored by More Better Soul Clothing. Go to morebettersoul.com. Enter code Negro to save 10% on your next order. Um, I wanted to to do a quick intro. I know it's been a while since I've done a pod, um, but I also want to give some um, perspective. I, I have this interview with this amazing gentleman uh, that you're going to hear about um, after I'm done with this intro. Um, but I sat on it for a while and I'll tell y'all exactly why. Um, so when we did this interview, it was literally the day before the new Kendrick was supposed to come out. And, and I was like, man, you know what? If I put this podcast out the day that Kendrick album come out, ain't nobody going to listen to this shit. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'm going to hold off a little bit. And then, um, it, and then right after that, uh, it was the shooting, uh, in Uvalde, Texas that, you had the gunman basically murder uh, 19 people. Um, and so I was just like, I, right, I'm really not in the mood to try to, you know, post a pod up, you know, cause you know, when you post a pod up, you're basically saying to, to all your social media, Hey, listen to this, check this out. And it just felt like I, I just didn't have the energy for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying anything against anybody that wanted to listen to podcasts during that time or whatever. I'm just saying that I didn't have the energy to try to, um, put some some new shit out um, because it I was just emotionally exhausted. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and it hits me a little bit differently too here because you know I think in the midst of all that as well, we weren't that far removed from a racially motivated shooting in Buffalo, and I'm in South Carolina, and it's June, so that means that the anniversary of Charleston Nine is coming up. So all those things were kind of um, working together to kind of make me just say for a little bit like ah, I'm just gonna hold off for a bit. Um, I don't know if I have any specific commentary on that right now. I'm probably still trying to work all those things out in my head. Uh, I really just don't think I have any faith in this country as far as it comes to gun control. Uh, at the fact that it's easier to to get a gun in Texas than it is to get a fucking marriage license. You know, you got to wait a few days to do that because getting married is a big decision. You got to wait like three days, you know, to, to get a gun. You can get that shit the same day. And I, I feel exhausted because I feel like, you know, this country really don't give a fuck about kids. And, I, you know, the same way I feel about the NFL don't give a fuck about women, where you have somebody like Deshaun Watson getting the largest NFL guaranteed contract of all time in the midst of 24 sexual assault allegations. That means the NFL don't give a fuck about women. And when you have so many children getting murdered in schools and for Congress not to do anything, um, you just know the country doesn't give a fuck about kids. And and I don't know the direction of where I want to go with how I want to articulate all these thoughts about this. I will just say this. I think historically this country has shown you that they don't care. Like, like dead children is not a, a needle mover in a lot of instances, right? Like, if you think about it like this, and this is why I think about it from the lens of being a black Southern dude. You know, when, when Emmett Till was murdered, brutally murdered in 1955, um, 
it still took 10 years to get a civil rights act 10 10 you know and and a part of me feel like some of that was expedited because jfk was assassinated and then you can kind of push things further like he would have wanted this you know what i'm saying like like so the country's made it at a point that dead babies really don't change shit you know what i mean and let's be honest you know you got the the, the bombing in birmingham with the four little girls et cetera, et cetera. and i'm saying this understandingly knowing that I'm talking about black kids, you know what I'm saying? So like the country, you know, you would think that the idea of, of children getting murdered is a line that can't be crossed. Even I don't give a fuck how racist you are. I don't give a fuck how much you hate people. When you start like, you know, allowing and not changing things with that, like the country is like incrementally just starts to lose more and more, um, humanity and i think that's where the biggest problem is is that you know i think democrats are trying to shame the republican party in the humanity aspect of like yo this this isn't right you know where's your moral compass and we've been shown that the republicans don't give a fuck and 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 i and i'm taking blame to democrats for trying to take this from that perspective of looking at it from a shame perspective like they don't give a fuck you're not going to change decisions based on that um i think that bigger problem is the republican party is highly financed by gun lobbyists and nra and so until there's uh anti-gun money that's going to match the type of pro-gun money out there politically you're not going to see anything changing right you know, the Elon Musk of the world was talking shit about spending 40 something billion dollars on Twitter. You know, if you took one of those billion billions of dollars to push legislation to have gun control, stuff would change quickly. You know, the Ted Cruz's of the world would change quickly if he got paid more to help with gun control than to embrace the NRA. And so until that conversation is done and just acknowledge that this country is based on, hey, man, these people in these political offices, it's money-based. It's not morale-based at all. And I think that's the thing that makes me feel really, really kind of helpless with this whole thing. So I say that to say, had this amazing, amazing podcast um, that uh, I didn't want to overwhelm you guys with all that shit because I, I felt like um, the conversation with this brother that I had was really, really, really dope shit. And, you know, I felt like we need to give him the the time and, and energy that he needs. So my man Marcus Amaker, who is um amazing poet from Charleston, South Carolina. We're gonna talk more uh when you get to this part uh after me running my mouth. <laughs> we had a really, really great talk. But I just wanted to put that stuff in perspective that we recorded this pod and, and shout out to him for being patient on on um, you know, just sitting and waiting for me to get this shit ready. Cause I'm gonna be honest with you. I just hadn't had the energy to plug a microphone up and, and to talk about it, you know. So once again, uh, I would say, uh, you know, if you want to buy some fly shit, you know, go to mombetasoul.com and a quote Negro. Um, I would also say check out the Bandcamp page, preachjacobs.bandcamp.com. Got some new music, got a new joint with uh, my man uh, Jay Live and my brother on production. The song is called Kings and um I might just put it at the end of this podcast. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put this song at the end of the podcast. Um, you can also check it on all of the uh, digital uh, outlets for your music. Just type in Preach Jacobs and you'll see the newest song. And um, I got a lot of stuff I'm working on coming soon. I think that's enough of me talking. Thank you all for listening to the Negro League podcast. And uh, the interview is coming up right now. Peace.
Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Negro League podcast. I go by the name of Preach Jacobs. Go to MoBetterSoul.com. Enter code Negro to save 10% on your next order. I know it's been a while since we've done an episode. A brother been busy. And uh, this particular guest that we have on right now, uh, we've been trying to coordinate this for a minute. This gentleman is an author, poet, a writer. Also is Charleston, South Carolina's poet laureate. Shout out to Marcus Amaker. How you doing, man? Hey, yeah, I am feeling good, man. Appreciate you uh, making the time to do this. Yeah, we have been trying to link up for for a couple of minutes now, but I'm glad that we're here. So, Oh, absolutely, man. Um, thank you for the vinyl. The records are, are really, really dope. I'm going to get into that in a bit, just from a, a nerdy recording perspective. But yeah. the first question I have, though, on your uh, <laughs> on your Instagram profile, you said, when I was 10, I wrote a song <laughs> called Big Butt. Tell me about this song. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that was literally the best, still the best thing that I've ever done. Um, so yeah, so when I was when I was really young, my my parents um, exposed me to print. So we uh, yeah yeah we, we we had a whole bunch of print um, records in the house and and CDs and tapes and stuff. Um, and the big sort of jumping off point for me was seeing on the back of the record him saying. Uh, you know, written, produced, composed, and arranged by Prince. You know, so in in my little mind, I was like, "Wow, he's doing everything on his own, so I can do that too." You know, so <laughs> I started. So I, I always had little songs and jingles in my head, as most kids do. But um, I had the idea to um, put it down on tape, um, and I'm glad that I did. So yeah, the first song I wrote, um, <laughs> quote unquote, song was a song <laughs> called. Big Bud, and I'm beatboxing through it um, and everything, and it's um, basically like a rap about how I thought that my butt was big. Uh, apparently, kids tease me about that in school, um, but I turned it into art, and it's still the best thing that I've ever done. So, all right, well, well shout out to Prince. It's like I, I think I, I had that same approach of of being inspired to do a bunch of stuff. I think Gordon Parks was the one for me where it was like, oh, word, he yeah, just, he just did everything. You know what I mean? Like, like, and he did everything well, and and. I still, I still feel like it needs to be like a really well produced Hollywood biopic on Gordon Parks because I think he's the most fascinating dude ever, right? So it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, this is my my, my um, Hollywood pitch. I know I'm getting off a little bit, but the, what you're saying this kind of reminded me of this. It's like the one thing I think is fascinating about Gordon Parks is that I hate watching a lot of like period pieces. Like, you know, a show like Mad Men, where I was kind of interested in it a while back. But one of the things about it that just drove me crazy is that if you have a period piece, the only time you're going to see black folks is if they're pushing a button on an elevator. Or, yep. or they're, you know what I mean? And so, like, you know, there's like this romanticism that white people get to have when they can have period pieces and be excited about it and all this type of stuff. And I'm like, well, in the 1960s, my people were going through a lot of shit that's not that entertaining. And so somebody yep. like Gordon Parks... In those time periods, he was doing amazing things. You know, he was taking pictures of old magazine. He was, you know, traveling for life, going to Brazil. He was writing, as well as racism being a backdrop to a lot of those things. So Gordon was that guy for me. Um, word, I don't word. think I remember the first song I ever wrote, but but uh, <laughs> but yeah, but he inspired me. So so tell well, me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and it's um, and it would be great for for Gordon Parks' name to be more um to be more well known, you know, like Absolutely. people might, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, like people might've, might, might've heard of, of him, but they don't know like just how radical and how like avant-garde he was too, man. Like, it's, yeah. Anyway, amazing so, stuff. 
So when did you realize that like being a poet and being a writer, that was something that could be turned into a living? Because I, I don't are you from Charleston as well or you just live there or? No, no, no. Well, I grew up in um, in military fa- fa- family, so I was born in Vegas, and then oh, wow. we moved. Okay. We moved to England, and then Maryland, and Japan, and Texas. Um, but all my family is from Orangeburg. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so SC has always been sort of like a home base for me. Um, but yeah, to answer that question, though, I um, I had always done uh, art. Um, and music and writing as a kid and all throughout high school and even, you know, throughout college and stuff. But it was after college when I started to put on um, events around town in Charleston was when I started to really see audiences would come, you know, just to hear my work or or just to uh, get involved in scenes. So I really started to think, oh, you know, there's an opportunity here to grow my art um, as well as sort of nurture and create a scene here in Charleston. So, um, yeah, I mean, it happened late in my adult life. I mean, I would say compared to others, but I would say, you know, it was around like 2010, you know, or so when I got, you know, an opportunity to be on, to be on TV and read a poem that I wrote and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, this is, this is working out and people are, are like buying my books and everything. So it, <laughs> yeah. 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 So it, so it started to be, be a thing that was just kind of fun for me, quote unquote, like just fun to, to being a business um, because I'm like, well, I, I can start a bank account with book sales and mm-hmm. stuff. So it, so it just kind of grow and it still is um, growing and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So that's, that's cool, man. Because like I, t- I tell people that coming up from a black Southern background, anything that's non-conventional, you know, my parents didn't understand it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, oh, yeah. you know, they, they see hardcore nine to five jobs, traditional things. And so, you know, I, I'm, I applaud you because I can't imagine. I mean, you know, I'm an artist as well, you know. And so like mm-hmm. a lot of times it gets really frustrating. Like, you know, if uh, if I'm in a newspaper or a magazine, you know, uh, I'll show my dad and he'd be like, well, did somebody offer you a job? And I'm like, well, that's not quite <laughs> what it is. It's like, I'm, I, yeah. I have a job, you know, I just want to get paid more doing it, you know? So sometimes I, I think that it's also a struggle um, having young black people be encouraged to be artists as a career. Um, yeah. Was that yeah. something that you came into or were your family always supportive of these endeavors? Was there like a rough patch that you, you thought that I, w- I don't need to be doing this? Well, um, uh, combination of all all that really, like the other definitely was a rough, I guess, I mean, I guess just like a, a challenging moment for me. Um, so I, I, I worked in newspapers too. So I, I was at Post and Courier for mm-hmm. 12, 12 years. Well, um, I was there for eight years. I worked in Anderson at the newspaper there for four years. Um, and yeah, like it was a comfy nine to five job. Um, but I was at the uh, era when uh, layoffs are happening often and mm-hmm. newspaper editors were scared of Twitter and they were scared of, you know, social media and stuff. So, um, and then me, me already being in that environment was, was you know, like a challenge, just me being who I am, um, just being a black man in a, uh, newspaper in the South. It was an interesting experience. Um, so I, I knew that something was out there more for me. So I, sharpened my graphic graphic design skills and started to work for myself and open up a um or started a one-man sort of like a design shop you know for a lot of clients 
Um, but when I left the paper for the first few months, man, it was definitely rough. I was questioning the choices and I thought, oh, maybe I should, should just go back to, you know, to, to the newspaper and all that. Um, but then, you know, I'm looking back on that now. I'm like, I'm really glad I stuck with my gut, uh, because I needed to do this. Um, but as a, and what's interesting as an artist, I, I, I wouldn't say it's been easy, but the most reliable thing, um, in this world, in my mind is like an artist's ability to, to create, you know, they're never going to create, they're never going to be able to take, take away art fr from us, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I knew that once I was able to really just create a bunch of work and I had the tools to get it out there, um, then it's just finding out a way to um, make money off, off of it. And that actually, there's a lot of opportunities out, out there. It, it isn't easy to find, but there are grants, there are people to partner with, there are um, uh, financial sponsors. I mean, just all like the non-sexy stuff of being, being an artist, that stuff is out there. So. I made it a point to dip into the end of that. And I've been lucky to win some grants and have some, um, uh, uh, like support from other, uh, or, you know, organizations around town. So yeah, it's, that, been, it's been lovely. Yeah. That's something that, that I always think is interesting where it's like, you know, the ability to find grants. Like I've, I've, I've gotten some grants here. There's something in here called a, an artist venture grant with the South Carolina Arts Commission. There's also a few other entities here. And one of the things that I always notice, I remember there's one of these grants that I had um, that were given 12 in the entire state. And they had like one of the requirements we had to come like have like a, a circle conversation talking about the grant. And they brought these people in. Ironically enough, they hired these people from like Philadelphia to tell you a bunch of like, stupid fucking artist platitudes you know what i mean like like listen it drove me crazy because i'm like you know why are you guys outsourcing these people from philadelphia and paying them to come here why don't you pay other artists that's in south carolina that you gave this grant to and i remember yeah, yeah one of the yeah. things that they tried to they tried to ask us they were just like well what can we do to make things better and i was like give us the money and leave us the fuck alone yeah, literally. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Write the check. Yeah, because, <laughs> Write the check. because trying to have that balance of trying to create, trying to, you know, make art and then worrying about whether or not, like, am I going to be evicted? You know, that, that puts a pause on creativity. And if you give us the money, we know what to do with it, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And the money and the money is out there. I mean, that's that's the funny thing for me is that well maybe not funny but but there are a lot of organizations and groups that 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 can give give away thousands and thousands of dollars every year um and it's, it's just kind of funny um just the um Im imbalance that, that that is out there and it's really kind of um ironic and sad to me that i know the one, one thing that almost everybody um uh, appreciates it's art you know whether it's he hearing music or looking at a, at a painting or reading a, a poem or whatever, but that is not, um, it's not like people are encouraged to have those jobs full, full time, you know? So, I mean, I always think pretty big, like I, I skipped the state level and just went to national sort of stuff. And I was able to get a major grant that allowed me to um, be, you know, an artist for like two or three years. Um, and that's been really, really, nice and it's just been able it's just been nice to be able to just like sit in the fact that i am an artist and i teach that to um schools and students because i'm in 
I'm in classrooms often, you know, and I'm always like, you can be an artist too for your life. I mean, it will take some work, but it's definitely out there. Um, and, and I think in a strange way, I think that now is a really great time for black artists um, simply because there are a lot more um, black owned um, organizations out there now. Um, you know, so those people are, are looking out for, for us. So it's been, it was harder in the past, but I think if you search like, like, um, you know, black owned um, arts groups, you know, they are out there and they have grants and there are opportunities out there for people like us. So that's, it's been nice. That's awesome. Well, I'd also, I want to touch on your graphics design work. I think everything looks amazing. So I'm, I'm guessing that you design all the stuff for your vinyl. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What what's um how would you describe your aesthetic design wise? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh I think well, I would if I would just like put it down in a few words, it would be clean, um, artsy, uh sub yes, yeah, sub subversive too. Like that's definitely a word that I would use. Because, uh, yeah, I, I always want things to look um you know, professional too, but also artsy um i remember being in college um at at usc in the 90s uh, back in the day and uh going to local shows and i would watch bands and i'm like man these bands you know this band is great and then i would go to buy their cd and then the shit looks stank you know like i'm like, <laughs> I'm like why would i why would i buy your cdr that you know you pr- you printed on um at kinko's you know on cheap paper yeah. like it's got to look good so so that was the uh, motivation for me i was like i i really want my stuff to be next to a quote-unquote like professional artist or a like professional book and I, I i don't want people to know the difference you know like you won't be able to tell that this is a local artist or an indie artist compared to an artist who has like a team um so i so i i, I study a lot of vinyl like i buy a bunch of re- records and stuff and i just think the um aesthetic of a lot of the stuff that I buy sort of seeped into everything that I do. So I love things that are really clean and a little weird. Um, you know, like, you like flying Lotus to me, like oh, yeah. um, every, every album cover, every, like his website, just everything that's, that's like goals, you know, that's just like, yeah, like you, you can look, look at that and, and you, you want to listen to it. You want to read it, you know, and that's what I want. I want my, my record to be on it table or my book to be on a table and somebody to be intrigued just by the cover um so that's so that's important to me that's interesting man because it's like that was one of the things way back in the day where you know recording music the one thing that local hip-hop artists didn't do years ago was they never got their music mastered and oh yeah you know you know and we're talking about like the early 2000s and stuff and and i would be on the radio and have like a DJ that was like looking out for me and, and they'll play a bunch of like national acts and then they will play one of my songs and it would sound completely, it sounds local, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. I remember and I remember at a young age, like I was telling the, the people I'm working with, I was like, yo, we need to see how much it costs to get this thing mastered because, you know, I don't, I don't want people to be able to tell that I'm from South Carolina. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it became a, a motivation. So yeah, I definitely feel you on that. And I see that you, you said that you released four albums at the end of april um mm-hmm. i 
I'm interested in your process of writing, right? Because there's two ways of looking at writing that I that I've experienced over the years as being creative. There's been, you know, the the ethos of, you know, write every day, force yourself to be creative every day, write, 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 and treat it like going to the gym. And the older I've gotten, I'm on some tip where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna write when I'm inspired. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like when the feeling hits me. So for you to produce this much work, um, How's your how's your how's your writing? Like if you're if you know, tell me the process of, of writing a poem. Yeah, so uh it almost depends on the poem, honest honestly. There's have been there was one one poem that I wrote that took me literally like five years to write, just oh, wow. just just because I kept, you know, wor- working and working and working on it. But I but most of the time, I mean it's um I naturally kind of produce whether it's songs or poems, you know, multiple stuff per month. Um, I just, yeah, I'm just blessed in whatever is happening up in the stars and with my ancestors and stuff. Like, they they feed me a lot of uh, inspiration and muse and um, and like ability to write. So I I am of the type where I let the inspiration come and then I do it. But that can happen on a daily basis. You know, I I rarely try to force it um but when i so being being pope poet laureate of charleston you know i am asked to write um poems for different events and stuff and that's when i do have to like sort of force it out of me and those are the hardest things to write i mean it's first world problems but (laughs) but you know um you know but at the same time like those are hard to write um and i much rather just let things come but like i said they come pretty quickly um especially when it comes to music because um, I'm constantly listening to stuff and I've got, got, got my synthesizers and everything here. So whenever I'm bored, um, I train myself really to uh, just, just like fuck around on the, you know, on the drum machine or fuck around on a synthesizer and see, see what happens. And I like to keep a lot of digital things. So if I'm, you know, just um, improvising on on a synthesizer. There's something there that can that I can use for a song or a loop or something later. So I have a big Dropbox full of all types of things, and um, you know, it's really fun to kind of piece all that stuff, all that stuff uh, uh, together to make songs and projects. Um, but poems can take a little bit longer. But some 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 poems I can write in one day, you know, and those feel good to me. But I tend to edit a lot of my work, uh, the older I've gotten, because I've looked back on some of my older stuff that I've be like, published. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I could have I could have taken a little bit more time, you know, on, on that. But even with that, my process is still fast. So I mean, I, I've put out nine books now. And i probably will be ready to put out a 10th one um, by the end of this year. I mean, I might not just, 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 just cause I want to wait, you know, a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> but though, I mean, like I'm lucky in that it happens fast, like whatever is happening in my brain, like it, I think it starts, I think it's just because I'm so used to doing it, you know, cause when I was 10, I started then. So it's, it's almost like it's muscle mem- memory, you know, yeah. like it's, it's, it's easy for me to do. Um, I, you know, just in the same way, I'm jealous of people who um, can cook really well. I just can't cook, <laughs> but, 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 but I'll, you know, but, but a lot, a lot, a lot of them will say, "Oh yeah, I started when I was young." So it's just, 
kind of a natural thing and that's how it is don't worry next year your ass is gonna have a cookbook (laughs) so (laughs) so. yeah right (laughs) it's coming yeah two books man shit you know um you never know (laughs) so what what um what kind of drum machines are you using oh man um i have i have a lot so um yeah i've got a moog um it's a yeah, it's a DFAM, so a drummer from from another mother, mm-hmm. um, and that and that's great. Um, I got an OP one, which is amazing. Um, I spend a little bit too much m- money on on that, but it's great. Um, and a Digitact uh, Electron, uh, uh, their yeah their boxes are great, and the Digitact is really great. It's because it's a sampler as well as a synthesizer, and it's just um, the flow of it really makes sense to me. But you can sample on it and and treat it like it's an mpc um yeah. so it's so it's so it's pretty cool yeah yeah i have um i tell people like i'm not a producer i just want to know enough that when i talk to producers i can kind of speak their language i have a i have the mpc studio my first drum machine was an mpc 2000 with a floppy disk <laughs> you oh, know word. what i'm saying yeah so, man yeah man, the, the yeah, man. you had to work <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like like you know these kids are spoiled now with all this stuff what what are you listening to now like what what inspires you to like i guess a better question i had a conversation with a friend of mine and we were talking about mcs and he talked to me he told me about this a record years ago um we talked about hearing a song that makes you want to stop all your shit and write something and he was like telling me about like when he was in college and it was like a big pun record came out that's called dream shatterer and he's just rhyming his ass off my friend was just like he was hanging out with, <laughs> he was hanging out with his friends and he was just like yo man I, I gotta go and just left his friends just to write so i'm always interested like what are you <laughs> listening to and when's the last time you can remember hearing something that made you be like i'm inspired to create right now wow that's great so um yeah i love i love love that question so um a ski mask so he's a yeah he's a um electronic art artist i forget where he's from but um it's s-k-e-e-m-a-s-k um the ski mask all of his stuff it's just it's like um electronic music by by nature i think Mm -hmm. you know it sounds very very like very like robot-y you know like it's it's just very sort of like cold but his stuff is really warm and there's an emotion there uh that i dig um so yeah i whenever i listen to ski mask i'm like wow how did he do that you know it's just amazing stuff um i also really really dig um uh what's what's her name brandy younger Mm -hmm. uh she's yeah she's a harp harp player um oh yeah and yeah i i mean i hate to even say this but i'm gonna say it but you know but it's almost like she's like our alice coltrane like she's like a new sort of alice coltrane and she probably hates (laughs) <laughs> hearing, hearing that just 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 because it's like an easy thing to say but 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 like i've always loved black women um harpists um she what's the sister's name that did the album it's uh afro harping uh, dorothy um, ashby yeah dorothy yeah that see that that album to me is is that that's just a perfect record i, I love um, i love that record you know she also played yeah. harps on um stevie wonder's song in the key of life Oh, word. Yeah, oh that song, gosh. If yeah. It's Magic. Like, he, she's she was playing a harp on that. So, yeah. Yeah, man. That might be, like, and, and that might be the best album of all time. You Absolutely. Know? We, we, we could talk about that. <laughs> um, and then, um, yeah, and, and definitely Low. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if you're a fan of Low, but Low um, has been putting out stuff since the 90s. And, they man, they started out doing sort of, like, slow core, sort of folky stuff, which was really great. It was very melodic. Mm-hmm. 
but now they've added um, electronics to their stuff. And it's almost like they push the boundaries of what you can really do with sound. I've never heard anything like that. And when I, I listened to their album, it's called Double, Double Negative um, is what their album's called. And it's like, man that i it is it is just a crazy record i you like like the sounds the sounds of clipping like it's sort of harsh but it's mm-hmm. also melodic at the same time so um yeah all of, all of that i mean there's i could i could go go on and on but um and i'm and i'm constantly listening to like um hip-hop um uh just because you know i'm i'm your stereotypical sort of old school guy so like 90s hip-hop and mm-hmm. That whole era was great, but it's really cool to hear newer acts. And I don't know who doesn't like Kendrick, but I I, I cannot wait for uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, Tomorrow's yeah, that, yeah. That new album comes out. It's, it's crazy. Like, what What was your and, um, first impression of the video? Oh, I love it. Yeah, uh, just because I think that he's uh, I don't know he's so he's just very smart and very. Uh, you can tell that he worked really hard on this. You know. Um, so it just yeah I'm I'm looking forward for it too because I don't think he will half-ass anything. So um, um, he kind of in a weird way, um, kind of weird way uh, reminds me of Bjork because uh, like, yeah yeah, yeah you, you, like whenever anything that Bjork puts out, you're like all right like this is a whole vibe. It's it, it's a whole like universe that you're stepping into. So I have a um, I have a weird Kendrick observation that it's never been confirmed, but it's something that that when I think about it, I think it's kind of funny. So. It's me kind of giving credit to Dre in a way, right? Because like, mm-hmm. because Dre is, you know, he's the OG in this game. He's person who's doing this all these years. If you listen to Good Kid, Mad City, yeah. um, Dre got two records on there, but those uh-huh. two those two records are at the end of the album, right? <laughs> so the way I think about it, I, I I hear it like this. I hear it from an artist perspective that Kendrick had this idea for this project. Dealing with all these producers nobody knew. So he was working with Soundwave, all his homies and his crew, none of these big yeah. producers. And he got these songs with Dre. He basically told Dre, yo, kind of fuck off. Let me do my shit. You know? And and if you listen to that album, like if you listen to that album, like sequence sequence wise, you go through the whole story of him in the neighborhood and the Dre songs are kind of thrown at the end. And I'm like, I, I, I give Dre credit because there's a level that I think that he could have tried to call rank and be like, yo, I'm Dre. You know what I mean? Yeah, Try to be right. all over the record. So so in <laughs> a weird one, way, yeah. he, he kind of just fell the fuck back and let him do his job. And so, you know, Kendrick is one of those things where, you know, I'm a Black Star fan and uh, Outcast fan and stuff like that. The Black Star, album, Black Star album came out. I wasn't very excited about it. And, and I got angry at myself because... I get frustrated when 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 fans are trying to force artists to put shit out when they don't want to put shit out. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. we, we just need to be in a situation where we're like, hey man, if they don't want to put music out, let's just be happy with the shit they did put out and let them put stuff out when they're when they're ready. Kendrick is a testament to that because in a weird yeah. way, in this world of social media and, and and promotion and stuff like that, he's kind of like the the anti-celebrity like he'll he'll come yeah. around do his press run when an album comes out and then he'll just disappear yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know what i mean yeah so yeah yeah i didn't even like you know, like realize that on a conscious level but that yeah that's that that is uh, you know definitely another reason why i dig him because yeah that's that's real cool like so so i love like all types of 
hip hop artists and stuff like Saba. Like I, mm-hmm. I, abs- I absolutely love. Um, but but yeah, I, I I had to stop looking at the updates because like I kind of want him to be a little, little bit like mysterious to me. You know, I, yeah. I don't want to know. Um, especially after that that album, Care for Me, which is like a perfect album to me. Um, mm-hmm. but, but but like I yeah I just just you know because I'm old school. Like I really dig that aspect of not really knowing what an artist is doing all the time and stuff like that. Like I want the music to still be magic um, to me. And Kendrick is definitely that, like nobody knows anything about what he's doing, you know, off um, outside of his project. So um, I, I really dig that. Um, and before I go, I, I should just say, I love um, hi- hiatus coyote. Oh man. Too, it's, so. it's so great, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. I haven't heard a band like that in, in a long time. And I've been a, been a fan for a long time, but they still, you know, like stop me in my tracks if that's you know that's the phrase like it's just yeah their their records are awesome have you have you ever read um have you read the bill of time book i haven't yet or i i i have it but i have not read it, read it yet it's yeah. it's incredible and and just kind of like a little small nugget i mean they talk about hiatus coyote in there and how inspired this australian band was because if you listen to that um the the album um choose your weapon it's, oh, it's fucking oh. it's fucking dilla beats man it's <laughs> like stupid yeah. uh, it's insane it's it's like you you hear dilla you hear like the off time drums on them and they're mad inspired by it but the book yeah. dilla time is, is is so incredible because it's not it's not a dilla biography it's it's showing okay. it's it talks about i mean it talks about dilla's life but it also talks about there's a part in there where it talks about the formation of Detroit and how the grids that people are placed and in, in where they live kind of, you know, emulates the sequencing of how he makes his beats. Like it just shows like those aspects of it. There's a part in there where it talks about how the Akai MPC was made because of the Lindrum, which was Prince's. Oh, yeah, the Lindrum. Yeah, yeah. Prince's thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, so basically the guy that made the Lindrum. Um, had this very 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 expensive drum machine um it's the first version sold he did like another another iteration of it it didn't do so well and he was just out of the business and then you got this japanese company called akai that hits him up and is like yo could you help us create a drum machine and like the mpc came through this guy so like it's like a oh, history lesson shit. it's an insane history lesson that's not just about you know the life of dilla so I, it's 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 remarkable Oh yeah, yeah! I can't wait. You, 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 like it is, it is next up. I've got a Star Wars book, and I want to read read, read this Herbie Hancock book. But then I'm gonna oh, get to that. This is a Herbie Hancock. Yeah, so. uh, is it autobiography or a biography? Yeah, wow. yeah, um, yeah. He wrote it. Um, um, it came it came out a few years years ago, but it's been um, it's just been on my desk for a while. So I'm, I'm gonna read that next. But All right. uh, yeah, All right. I should go soon because I don't want to hurt. <laughs> yeah, I've got my toddler here, and she is. Uh, it's She's all, got her got her Netflix time. So anyway. it's it's all good. Well, there's anything <laughs> is there anything um on the back end you want to promote? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah, I'm just happy to have to have new albums out, and I think that you know I think that your audience might dig it. So yeah, um, um put out three new records. I've got one that's an instrumental hip hop album, um, very sort of chill hoppy, uh, you know. So I I I did that, and then there's another album, um, electro poems that. Is me doing spoken word with with drum machines, um, and then the third one is um, jazz. It's a yeah, p- a poetry and jazz album. And uh, the guy that I worked with, the drummer, he won uh, yeah, he won a, a Grammy a few years ago. Um, 
So yeah, I'm happy with happy happy with. What's, them what's all, his name? So. What's his name? Quentin Baxter. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's he's a member of uh, Ranky Tanky, which is yeah from from here in Charleston, and they are they're awesome. So. Well, that's dope, man. Well, shoot, I'm not yeah. going to hold you up. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Negro Elite Podcast. I go by the name of Preach Jacobs. Go to morebettersoul.com. Enter code Negro to save 10% on your next order. Uh, thank my guests. And also, uh, check out all his music. Check out all the stuff. It's going to be in all the details when you guys listen to this episode of the pod. And uh, check out that Kendrick coming out tomorrow. Peace. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make a haberdashery, a hashery, my artistry's a part of me Flows through my arteries, don't get me started with your fucking well actually The actual and solar factors are not catching me I had to take certain things out of the lexicon The notes that I'm not playing is the real jazz The real jazz is I'm not even playing with y'all Every day is like New Year's Eve And I mean, New Year's Eve is like just another day I go to bed on time, I wake up early I meditate like it's 1999, in other words, there's a party in my mind, otherworldly. Like imagine a fourth dimensional swirly, then back to reality, comfortable with gravity. Seriously heavy, yet still with such levity and grace, make decisions in seven breaths with brevity. Brevity, brevity. You already know what it is, like Aretha Rocksteady, I've been Franklin, keep it a hundred. When you frontin' on growth, you're growth stunning. When you stuntin' with growth, you out front. It's as simple as that. That, that. You walk bar, I'm so Kendrick Lamar, Grammy stumping on a cop car. I'd rather be a legend than a pop star. Have y'all walking on a tightrope, thinking success, suppressing all these white folks, and they stop saying something like they mics broke. Listen, I don't like none of y'all, there ain't no punchline. MC Ultra, who you debating on? For those that demand bars, I am the vanguard. Rise to the top and you land hard. Then niggas trying to scam God, take your soul for a bad broad while I settle for a country chick that loves my dad bod. It's over. Rhyming over my brother's beats make me feel closer Bit young but I'm feeling older I made from scratch but just some leftovers Diary of a black man's stress Heavy is the head with the crown Guess we just got strong ass judge <laughs>